0: If you got your Bible, go ahead and turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, we are studying the seven unique I am statements of Jesus in the book of John. Seven times where he says, I am, and then says something behind it uh, that don't appear anywhere else in Scripture. So last week we saw how Jesus is the door. The week before that, we saw how Jesus is the good shepherd. We've seen these different statements, these different declarations. Of Jesus. Um, and today we're going to one that uh, it presents a unique challenge for me because John chapter 15, I don't believe I ever preached John chapter 15 until the last year. And now this will be my third time when I have preached John 15 in the last year. It just keeps on popping up. So I don't know who God's trying to get through to or what God's trying to say, but it just keeps on coming back, keeps on hammering down. So we, we've looked a lot at pruning, which is very, uh, very Involved In John chapter 15 We're going to set that aside today And really focus in on what Jesus is saying When he says he is the vine If you got your Bible John 15 verse 5 says I am the true vine Everybody say the true vine, true vine. You are the branches Look at somebody next to you Say you are the branch If you remain in me And I in you You will bear much fruit Everybody say much fruit, much fruit. Apart from me You can do nothing Man, that statement is pretty dramatic, isn't it? Man, it's pretty in your face. He says, if you remain in me and I remain in you, he says, you're going to bear much fruit. How many people say, you know what, Jesus, I sign up to bear much fruit. I want to be a much fruit Christian. I want to be a much fruit branch. I think most of us, if if we've truly given our life to Christ, if we've truly experienced the salvation that only comes through Jesus, man, there's going to be something inside of us that says, yes, Jesus, I want to be that Christian. I want to be that branch. I want to be a much fruit Christian. So it's, it's exciting. It fires me up to read that, to say, OK, Jesus is going to unpack for us how I can bear much fruit. But then he says this this completely 180 statement right afterwards. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing, nothing. Now, does that mean that nobody who, who that everybody who doesn't know Jesus doesn't ever do anything? No, of course not. Everybody. Who who doesn't know Jesus? They accomplish things. They many times even do good things. But ultimately, they are not eternal things. They are not lasting things. In fact, it's what we talked about to our team this morning. Said if we go out there on that stage in our own strength, in our own gifts, in our own abilities, we can probably put together a good service. But you know what we can't do? We can't change anybody's destiny. You know what we can't do? We can't affect anyone's eternity. In our own power, in our own strength, we can't bear any fruit that lasts. Only when we're connected to the true vine, only when his power is flowing in us and through us can we accomplish anything that means anything. We've got to be connected to him in order for that to happen. And this is, again, is found in John 15, but but in John 13 is actually the context where this all starts, because in John 13, we we see kind of a transition in the book of John into uh, a large section where we look at what we call the Last Supper. So in John chapter 13, Jesus is is sitting down for his last meal with his boys. Jesus knows he's going to die, and he's going to die, in fact, the very next day. It's not very long until he's going to breathe his last breath and then he's going to uh, descend into hell and, and destroy the, the enemy and take the, the keys of death and sin and, and all those things he's going to send back to his father. All this stuff is going to happen. He's going to be disconnected. They're not going to see him. They're not going to have him right there to lean on. They're not going to have him close to them to ask questions to. And so if you knew you were going to die you're going to have your last meal with your family your last meal with with the people who are closest to you on this earth you would probably have some important things to say you'd probably think through your conversation you maybe wouldn't talk about the final four right you you maybe wouldn't talk about the the just the normal stuff that we discuss you'd probably say you know what this conversation has has a little bit more significance I want to leave you with some things. I want to encourage you with some things. I want to challenge you with some things. I want you to know me at the deepest possible level because this is our last opportunity. Now, in Jesus' case, it was just his last opportunity for a while. If it were us, it would be our final opportunity perhaps uh, on this earth. But, but Jesus is, is facing being arrested and crucified and dying for our sins. And, and he sits down for this meal with his disciples and he says in John 15:5 he says I am the true vine you are the branches if you remain in me and I in you you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing so so why is being connected to the vine so important uh, figured how, how can i illustrate this for you so i bought a tree this week uh this is a, this is a palm tree this is something similar maybe to to the kind of trees jesus would have had around him to the kind of branches they would have waved for him on palm sunday which was coming up or actually which was in the rear view when they had this conversation it's five days behind them it's it's a couple of weeks ahead of us and, and so you see with the, this this tree has a trunk right and from the trunk Flow All of the various branches and and what happens with the tree because of the trunk that's in good soil because it's been receiving nourishment. It's been watered. It's gotten the nutrients that it needs. The branches are healthy, right? Now, if we were to go plant this in the backyard, now, it it may grow to a point where I don't know what a palm trees grow, coconuts, right? So maybe at some point in time, you got a coconut, or I don't know what kind of fruit I would get off this tree, but eventually, it would start to bear some fruit, right? It would start to produce something that was of benefit as long as it stayed connected and rooted. So so this is Jesus. He says, I'm the vine. I'm the trunk. I'm the thing that you got to connect to. Here's a branch. Now. This branch by itself isn't going to do much, right? If I go and I plant this in my backyard, what am I going to get? Not a whole lot. Why? Because this doesn't have what it needs to produce fruit on its own. If I decided, you know what, we're just going to put this branch up here on stage, and we're going to leave this here for the next month, and we're going to see what happens. Well, do you know what would happen? It'd be dead, right? Why? Because it's not connected to the source. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But connected to me, remaining in me, sustained in me, when I remain in you, we can accomplish something for the kingdom of God. Right? So that's what Jesus is saying. He says, I am the true vine, and you are the, van- the branches. He says, you will bear much fruit. So the, this stage like I said, if, if we were just to, to put it up here, this stage would be basically what we could, could accomplish as, as, or believe is a, a false vine, right? He says, I am the true vine. So he says, I'm the true vine. That means there are some false vines. In other words, there's some stuff you can connect to. This maybe kind of looks like a vine, right? It's a cord, kind of winds around like a vine might. If I tried to connect this branch to this microphone cord, there's nothing that's going to happen here. And so perhaps some of us here today are building our life on some false vines. Perhaps some of us here today are connecting to things that look beneficial, that look kind of similar to a vine, that look like, you know what, this is a comfortable place for me. This is a place in front of everybody. Everybody can notice me. Man, everybody can look at me. This looks like the place to be, but ultimately that vine doesn't take me. Ultimately, that vine doesn't produce anything in my life. So, sometimes things we we put together the perfect appearance of a, of a great home, right? And everybody can look at it from the outside and it's it's a nice building and it's clean and I've got my three vehicles in front and I got my 2.5 kids and I got my trusty dog, right? And we we got everything that we're supposed to have. We got everything that's supposed to look beautiful. We got the white picket fence and, and we keep the grass cut and everything looks great, but inside the home is turmoil. Inside the home is 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 stress, is chaos is fighting, is disorder. Why? Because somebody isn't connected to the vine. Somebody isn't connected the way that God has called them to be. And so oftentimes we we hook up our life, I believe, to false vines. I'm not even saying that you're not Christian. I'm just saying that many times as Christians we we decide, you know what, I want to hook up to this thing over here, and we forget. This is where the power goes from. This is the this is the source. Exactly. This is the place where I can connect and where I'm going to flourish and produce much fruit. So so what I want to show you today is how we can stay connected to the vine. But first, I want to show you two reasons why it's so important to stay connected to the vine you probably could already explain these for yourself but I want to go ahead and articulate them I want to make sure that they're clear so that nobody misses this the first reason it's important to stay connected is that staying connected produces much fruit We'll read it again in John 15 5 and and just go ahead and get used to it because we're going to read John 15 5 about 15 times today. We're just going to just going to pound this one home. We're going to get this one hidden in our heart. He says, I am the true vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So so here's the kicker. It's not just any kind of fruit that we're talking about. Right. Because because you can attach to a different vine and you can produce some financial fruit. You can attach to a false vine and you can produce some pleasure fruit. You you can attach to a false vine and there's a lot of things that we can produce that, that may seem important for a season, but he says, I've got a specific kind of fruit for you. And so he unpacks for us, the Holy Spirit unpacks for us that fruit in Galatians chapter five. What is the fruit of being attached to the vine? He says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the kind of fruit that you're going to bear when you connect to the true vine. Now, I don't know about you, but I need some more of that kind of fruit. Go ahead and put that back up for us, Dwindle. I I need some more of those nine things in my life. I need some more love in my life. I need some more joy in my life. I need some more peace in my life. I need some more patience. in my. I need a lot more patience in my life. Right. I I need some more kindness. I need some more goodness. I need some more faithfulness. I need some more gentleness. I need probably a lot more self-control. Those might be the two that, that, you know, maybe I need more than anything. Patience and self-control. Right. I need some more of that stuff in my life. And so if God's saying, hey, I've got a way, I've got a path. I've got access for you to these nine things. When I'm evident in your, in your life, when you're connected to me and you're planted in me, you're growing. This is what is going to produce. And that should be exciting to us. That should inspire us. That should be something that, that we want more of in our lives. H- have you ever been in that place where you were connected to the vine? Man, you're, you're in the word. You're praying, you're, you're going to church, and you're believing God for something, and it seems like there's no fruit. Man, you're believing God for that lost friend to come to Jesus, and you've just been praying. It's like, man, God, I've been praying for months, and I, I've been standing on your word for weeks, and I've just been believing this and believing this, and nothing is happening. I don't see any fruit. Anybody else ever been in that place? Okay, I got some encouragement for you. In fact, not just me. I got better, something better for you than that. Jesus has some encouragement for you. You know what Jesus said? He said, I'm the vine, you are the branches, if you remain in me and I in you. If you remain, you see, in other words, bearing fruit doesn't happen overnight. Bearing fruit doesn't happen instantaneously. If you go in your backyard and you plant an apple tree, you're not getting apples next week and you're not getting apples next year. Right. You get that right. There's a process that has to play out from the time it goes from a seed to the time there's fruit on that tree. When you see a tree that's bearing fruit, it's remained somewhere for a length of time. It's planted in and said, you know what, I'm going to go through the dark season. I'm going to go through the cold season. I'm going to go through the lonely season. I'm going to put up with the, with the human season and the heat. I'm going to deal with all this stuff that comes against me because I know if I remain, a day is coming where I'm going to bear some fruit. And I think for us so many times, we, we, we treat God like, like he's supposed to just do something right now. Man, I'm going to pray it right now, and tomorrow it's going to happen. And if it doesn't happen by the end of the week, I'm just going to stop praying. I've been guilty of that. We move, Well, maybe God just wasn't in it. Well, maybe God was in it, and he just wanted you to learn to remain. So remain in me, and I remain in you. I'm doing something. I'm building something. I've got a plan to produce something incredible, but nothing incredible is produced like this. I need you. To remain. But it was, what I love about it is he didn't say if you're lucky, you'll bear much fruit. He didn't say if everything goes the right way, man, if the election goes the way you want it to. Man, if, if the right person gives you that promotion. He didn't say if, if if everybody, man, if all everything falls into place, you might could bear some fruit. He says if you remain in me and I remain in you, you will bear much fruit it's a promise it's a guarantee he doesn't put a date on it he doesn't tell you when that promise will come true that's where faith comes in we're gonna have to trust him we're gonna have to remain in it but he says it's coming It's coming. The fruit is coming. The love is coming. The joy is coming. The peace is coming. The faithfulness is coming. The goodness is coming. The patience is coming. Hallelujah. I'm going to let you build some patience while you wait for some patience. But it's coming. The gentleness is coming. The self-control is coming. The fruit is coming. You're going to bear much fruit if you remain. We got to remain. We got to remain. We got to abide In Christ, to use the the King James translation of the word, right, That, that we would abide in him, that we would settle in him, not settle for him, but settle in him. I'm not going anywhere. This is where you have me. This is what you have for me. I don't know when the fruit is coming, but I know you are not a man that you can lie. Your word is true. And so I choose to remain in you. I'm not settling anymore for that false vine. I'm not unplugging from your vine and going over here to this vine anymore. I'm going to remain and steadfast and trust you that fruit will be born in my life. It's the first thing that we see from here. Is that staying connected produces much fruit. The second thing is that being disconnected produces nothing. You see, so many times God's word is, is full of a of coin with two sides, right? And so there's the positive side of the coin. Is, man, if you do the right thing, man, if you remain in me, you're going to produce much fruit. But there's a flip side that I got to warn you about. If you don't remain, if you disconnect, if you decide I'm going to separate from the vine, You might see some things you never got to see, right? Like this branch gets to go some places that those branches don't get to go. This branch gets to experience some things that those branches don't get to experience. For a short period of time, those branches might look at this branch and say, man, how come he got to be chosen? How come he got to be so lucky? But ultimately, this branch is going to end up dead in the ground. Right. Ultimately, that branch has nothing going for it. And these branches now they got potential. Man, these branches are going somewhere. These branches are going to accomplish something that that branch will never know. Why? Because that branch chose to be disconnected. Actually, that one didn't chose. I chose it for him. But you know what I mean. John 15, 6 says, if you do not remain in me. You are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. How many of you know it's a bad day to be a branch? It's a bad day to be a disconnected branch. Can't settle for just being a disconnected branch. I got to be a connected branch. When we're disconnected, we produce nothing. And and here's what happens. When we disconnect, we we look at other people, and, and many times we find ourselves in like a judgmental state. Uh, I had a friend of mine who was telling me this story this week, and I was like, I had to had to steal it. Um, his, his whole life, he's, he's a couple years older than me. Uh, his, his whole life, he was that guy who hated on any dude that drove a minivan. Like, man, if you if you drive a minivan, you're gonna have to give up your man card, right? Like, you just you you not cool anymore. You've lost it. He was too cool for the minivan. And he said, "Well," and then we we went on a trip, and uh, and we rented a van. Uh, and, and I hit one button, and both doors on each side popped open and rolled back. And I was like, I heard trumpets blaring. I heard harps playing. Like, I got three kids. Uh, and all of a sudden, I had visions of what this thing could do for me. So now he proudly drives a minivan, despite being the guy who, who for so long. So in other words, he turned in his man car. Uh, but, but how many of us have done that, right? And we, we, this is a funny, silly situation. But we've looked at somebody and said, nope. I'm never going to make that mistake. And we ended up in that same place. How many of us parents, you can feel me on this? Oh, my kids will never do that. Whoops. Famous last words, right? Like, my kids will never have that problem. Yeah, and my kid's two and a half, and I'm already seeing stuff that I'm like, yeah, my kid will never do that. Like, you you get humbled a little bit. But when we get disconnected, we we start to look across and say, okay, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to be like you. And we don't realize that my source isn't me It's not my strength. It's not my willpower. It's not my goodness. My source is his strength and his power, and that's what's going to bear fruit in my life, and if I'm disconnected from it, I'm not going to have that fruit. Let me tell you something. As somebody who's spent now almost 16 full years in full-time ministry, I've seen a lot of situations. I've talked to a lot of people. I can tell you this with full confidence. Any of you in this room are capable of anything. If you get disconnected from the anybody you've ever seen on this platform, anybody who's ever greeted you at the door, anybody who's ever prayed with you in this building or any other church building at any point in time is capable of anything. Oh, I would never do that. I would never fall into that. I've seen people fall so hard in so many ways and you're like, what? Not them. Not her. Not him. That can't happen. You know how it happens? a branch on its own produces nothing it's destruction brought into their life don't you dare think you're at such a place in your walk with Jesus that you can say that'll never happen to me the only way you can say that'll never happen to me is if you stay connected remain, remain remain because apart from him you can do nothing so, so we know we're supposed to remain the, the question then becomes how right? how do I remain in Jesus how do I keep from chasing the false vines how do I keep from, from disconnecting and unplugging and, and there's, there's a lot of answers I could give you to that right we talked a, a few weeks ago about the four pathways to the presence of God and, and how we need to spend time in his word and in prayer and in worship and in fellowship and every one of those things is a, is a key to remaining in Christ but, but Jesus wanted to make it very simple for us And so in this conversation, he boiled it down even further. He said, I'm going to simplify it to two things. If you want to remain, I'm going to give you two things. And so I want to share those with you this morning. So if you want to stay connected and produce much fruit that God's promised for you, number one, do what Jesus says. Do what Jesus says. John 15, 10, just just a few verses later in this conversation, Jesus says, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. You want to stay connected? You want to bear much fruit that he has for you? Obey Jesus. I know that's not like the most popular teaching, right? That's not the most feel good. Like, oh, none of us like to hear obey. I don't want to obey somebody else. I want to make my own decisions. I want to do my own thing. But if you want to stay connected, if you want to bear the fruit that God destined for your life when he puts you on planet Earth, if you want to know that your life was significant and impacted eternity, that there's something that's there when you're gone. How are you going to get there? Obey Jesus. Man, it really comes down pretty simple. When you break it down, he says, just do what I say. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. It's like as a parent, you know, tell your kids to, to clean their room, or, or, you know, we're not at the point where I can tell Judah to clean his room, but I can tell him to put certain things away. Judah, I need you to go put this in the hamper. I need you to go throw, like, he loves to, like, throw dirty diapers in the trash, this is thing. Like, Judah, Judah, I need you to go do this, right? And so, a lot of times, he'll do it immediately, but sometimes he gets a mind of his own, and then he'll take that, di- and, you know, now you got a diaper on the kitchen table, right? Like, that's what we want. Uh, thank you, Judah. Uh, and, and so, how many times as a parent do you tell your kid, especially as your kids get a little older, man, go clean your room, and and, and the kid goes, and they come back, hey, did you clean your room? I'm like, oh, man, I got in there, and, and I I just thought over, I meditated on what you said. You said to clean my room, I spent some good time, just, man, I I, I can quote it back to you, I, I learned it in the Greek, right? Like, like, I know exactly what you said, man, you said to clean your room, mom, thank you for telling me to clean my room, and... And okay, and the next day, man, I, did you get your room clean? Man, I got four friends together, and we went to Starbucks, and we had a clean, a room cleaning Bible study, and we and we talked about how to clean our room. And man, I learned so much. I was just so encouraged as we all talked about how we don't clean our rooms, uh, right? And, and we do all these things, and you're just screaming, "Just go clean your room! Just do it!" And I wonder how many times we're we're sitting here arguing over theology and debating what this means and that means, and Jesus is like, just do what I told you to do. Just go clean your freaking room, Right? Like, how many times is he sitting there saying, man, it's right there in front of you. And I don't know what the room clean is for you. But I know in my life there's been some seasons where there was something where he just put his finger on and was like, this is what you need to do. And I'm trying to do all this other stuff and trying to distract from all this. And he's just like, just get this thing taken care of. Just do that thing. He says, you'll remain in my love if you keep my commands. And yes, that starts with the word of God, first and foremost. But, but I think it goes beyond that. I think it comes down to obeying his voice. Man, he's saying, I need you to get involved. I need you, I want you to serve in Mission OB. Yeah, but Easter weekend is busy, God. And, and I got to get my suit pressed. And I'm going to get my hat. And I'm going to look good. And I'm going to do all this. And all this is going on. he's saying, just obey. Just get plugged in. Man, he, he's telling you to deal with that thing in your marriage that you've been trying to ignore all this time, man, go get that counseling. Go get that help. He, he, he's telling you to, to make that, that the step of faith, whatever that looks like, man, and, and maybe make that career change, and it means taking a financial hit, but you know deep down inside that's what God's got for you, and he's just screaming it at you. I don't know what it is that he's screaming, but there's something, and he's saying, just go clean your room, just obey my voice. Would you just obey me? Would you just take that step and get your room cleaned? So Jesus says, if you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. The second thing is so simple, but he takes it up a notch. This is where Jesus kicks it up. He says, number one, keep my commands if you want to remain in my love. Number two, love like Jesus loves. John 15, 12, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Worship team's gonna come down, don't let them distract you. Um, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other as I have loved you. What's he saying? He's not saying just love each other. Because man, if he just stopped there, if John 15, 12 was what, one, two, three, with five verse five words less, man, it'd be so much easier, wouldn't it? My command is this: love each other. Well, I love people. I'm a pretty good guy. I, don't, I didn't even flip that guy off when he cut me off this week. I'm doing pretty good, right? Like I, I'm, I'm loving. But he does not say just love each other because we can define love in a whole lot of different ways. He says, I'm going to ask you to love each other, and I'm going to define for you what that love looks like. Love each other as I have loved you. Ouch. Ouch. How many of us live up to that standard? Probably not most of us. Probably not very often. I'm not here to condemn you or to put you down. I'm just here to say Jesus has a better place for you to be, a better place for me to be. He says, I want you to love each other the same way that I've loved you. And so What is he saying? Obviously, he's inferring to the cross that he's headed to. In John chapter 18, we're three chapters away from him laying down his life for them, from from him suffering for his disciples and for us. But but I think that's not all he's inferring to. You see, because if we go back to the start of this conversation, in John chapter 13, as they sit down for the Last Supper, what does Jesus do? He gets up from his seat. He wraps a towel around his waist. And he starts washing feet. What's he doing? He's serving. What's the context of this conversation when he says remain in me and love the way that I love? He's modeling servanthood for them. What impact had he just made in their life? Jesus, you ain't supposed to wash my feet. I'm supposed to wash your feet. You're you're higher than me. And the the servant is supposed to wash for the master. You can't wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, in my kingdom, everything's upside down. In my kingdom, the greatest came to serve the least. And so I'm going to get down, and I'm going to wash your stinky, nasty feet. I'm going to clean this bacteria off. I'm going to take me in your fungus toes, and I'm going to wash this. Why? Because I love you. So now he says, I want you to love others the way that I love you. He says, the greatest in my kingdom will be the servant of all. You see, Jesus had a, had a problem with his disciples, he had a lot of problems with his disciples. You know why? Because they were human. Just like if you took any any group of 12 of us, you'd find a whole lot of problems if you followed us around for three years, too. Right. So so he had a lot of problems with his disciples, but there was one like common theme, like each one might have had a different issue. Peter, man, Peter spoke too soon and he just put himself out there and he was stubborn and and Judas is stealing money and he's going to betray Jesus. And, and, you know, Thomas is the doubter. I got to see it for myself. And they all kind of had their own issue. But there was one issue that they all had together. They always wanted to be the most important. Throwing, am I going to sit on in heaven, Jesus? I want to sit next to you. I want to be more important than he is. I've done more for, more for you. They were constantly competing with each other. They were constantly trying to prove, I'm the best disciple. I'm the most important disciple. They constantly wanted that place, and it ran through the whole, all 12 of them, trying to step over each other, trying to, to compete for Jesus' attention and affection, and they wanted to be ha, have some notoriety and some fame. And so Jesus, before he goes to the cross, I'm about to send you guys out. You 12 idiots are the hope of the world. You're going to carry this message to the ends of the earth. What was he thinking? Man, if I was God, I would have done it different. That's why I'm not God. I'm so glad I'm not. He so says, You're the hope of the world. I'm entrusting to you the very truths of eternity. But before I do, I got to model something for you. I got to teach you something because you don't get it because you think somebody came to serve you. But I want you to know I chose you because I chose you to be a servant. And I believe Jesus would say to you today, I chose you. I brought you into my family. I adopted you. I made you my own. I gave you my name. I call you my disciple. And I chose you to be a servant. I want you to love the world the way that i love you and if you'll do that you'll never get disconnected if you do that you'll remain and what happens when you remain you bear much fruit i'm gonna do something through your life i'm gonna display the glory of god through you and how's it gonna happen it's gonna happen because you commit to obey my words and love the way i loved. and if we can get to that place city church there's no stopping what we can do in this city. There's no stopping the, the love that God can pour through us. There's no stopping the, the impact of generosity. There's no stopping what the places that Mission OB can go, the way it can expand and the way that it can grow. There's no stopping the lost, the last and the least who would flock to a place full of people who said, I just want to love like Jesus loves. There's no limit to the fruit we can bear. Now, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Or next week, it's going to take us connecting, it's going to take us obeying, and it's going to take us checking our selfish motives and realizing day after day after day, you know what? I got a little bit of one of the disciples in me right there. I'm trying to to exceed somebody else. I'm trying to to compete with so-and-so over here. I'm trying to get noticed and recognize, Jesus, that's not who you were. That's not the way that you love. You came to lower yourself and to humble yourself, and I want to be like you. So, so forgive me for that, God, and help me to humble myself in this situation. Help me to honor that person above myself. And we'll do that. Guess what happens? We will bear much fruit. And I want a much fruit church. I want a much fruit life. I want a much fruit family. I want a much fruit faith. How's it happen? We remain in him by obeying his words and loving the way he loved. That's the challenge for us today, City Church. I believe we're up to the challenge. Let's get connected to the vine. Would you pray?